You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM. The fan, normally, my guy Nathan Marzian, Bucks super fan, is my co-host normally on Green and Growing, but it's NCAA tournament time, so he is uh, probably having some beverages, checking out the NCAA tournament games, having himself a good time, asked if he could have off. Sure, no problem. Uh, and I turn to my guy, who I've been uh, efforting to get on here for a little while, Jim Ozarski of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Bucks beat writer. Follow him on Twitter at Jim Ozarski. Uh, and of course, uh, if you do not hear from the last uh, podcast, we are uh, now putting these on YouTube as well on the Odyssey Sports page. They go up a couple days after we post them up uh, to all your favorite spots that you download uh, your podcast, Odyssey, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. So this one, uh, you know, get posted, you know, Thursday night, Friday morning. It'll be up on YouTube probably Saturday or Sunday if you want to see our beautiful faces on YouTube. Uh, Jim Ozarski, before we get into the Bucks and the piece written by Sam Amick uh, and your great series that you guys did on the Bucks um, as well, I want to get into something with you that not a lot of people have done. Um, and that is being a guy that's covered the NBA and a guy that's covered the NFL, right? Those would be uh, the two sports where you've been. You've been with the Packers, you've done the Bengals, um, and now having done the Bucks. Compare and contrast for me the lifestyle of covering both as a writer. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Sparky. Sure. Yeah, the um, the lifestyle for sure is the biggest change. Like the NFL, look, it's very militaristic, right? Like that's always those are always the the comparisons in football. But like from a scheduling standpoint, you know where you're going to be and when Monday through Sunday, um, right. and when there's a media like in my world when there's a media availability. That's when that happens. Um, the bas- basketball is just far more uh, free-flowing, um, to put it kindly, I guess. I mean, you know, th- uh, a time might be given, but that's not necessarily the time something's going to happen. Oh, man. Uh, especially, that would drive me nuts. Yeah, especially, like, on, like, practice days or shoot-arounds. Obviously, games are structured. You know, that's – pregame is – 90 minutes for the head coach ahead of time or 110, depending on home or road. Sure. The game is the game. But then post game, uh, what's interesting is you would think NFL players, after what they just put their bodies through, would take their time, take off pads and shower and treatment. That is not the case. Uh, NFL players sometimes want to get media done when they're still in their gear. Some guys want to clean up. Um, but Some for the are most in a towel. Part, yeah, for the most part, it's fast. Uh, NBA guys, yeah, you could be waiting for a long, long time after a game. So I would say lifestyle-wise, Sparky, that's the biggest uh, difference between the two but is, yeah. That. I, so let me follow up with that. So it, I want to make sure I get this right. I don't want to blame the wrong, the wrong group of people here. 
Is it the players or is it the sport dictating of how this actually works? I feel like the NBA gives more leniency to when they allow media access versus the NFL and Major League Baseball, where it's happening these many minutes after the game, ready or not, here they come. Uh, no, it's it's players. I mean, look, post game, it's for sure the player. I mean, that's however long it takes them to be ready is how long it takes to be ready. Right. Um, the the structure part, like the the shoot around or practice, like, I mean, it's generally a guess on the at least here in Milwaukee. I mean, I I, I think in some other cities as well. Maybe they just hey, like arrive by say noon. Um, maybe estimating that might be the end of practice, and then who knows, things maybe go out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say it's definitely more of a, a player driven thing to a degree. We might ask for a player in practice and then he decides to go extra shooting or decides oh, yeah. he wants to do weightlifting beforehand or clean up. Oh, yeah. Before. So, yeah, I would say it's more of a player thing, whereas football, you're right. It's that little window and that person's coming in in that window, regardless of whatever it is they may want to be doing. Right. I mean, obviously I'm not going out of games or practices anymore. Like I used to back in the day, but I remember going sitting there waiting and waiting at the cousin center for players to get done to talk to him or whatever else. And then players that were avoiding you, I'm not going to say specifically who, but there was one player uh, who, and I, he and I didn't really get along and he knew I was waiting for him. And he, walked back looked at me smiled waved and walked out and knew damn right well he wasn't going to talk to me one way or the other so yeah I've, I've been through it all i've been through it with the brewers the brewers that's a little bit different uh at least back in the day now i had my run-ins with players back in the day too uh you know prince fielder uh didn't like me at all and i get it i mean i i wasn't very nice to him on the radio uh so he would literally just start singing a song as loud as he could if i was within earshot trying to do an interview to try and throw me off or try and screw it up or whatever. So yeah, I've had all those fun experiences. Okay. So that's that. Now let's talk about covering the stars of a sport uh, because you've been fortunate enough to have covered a, a couple of stars, obviously, whether it be in green Bay or now uh, in Milwaukee uh, with the bucks, two very different uh, type of personalities and stars at that with, you know, Rogers uh, and now with uh, Giannis and I don't really want to get into all the Rogers drama now, but just what it was like back then covering Aaron, which was a while ago, obviously, uh, and what it is now covering Giannis. Yeah, it's you're right. It's interesting. Um, you, the two biggest sports stars, I mean, you could argue nationally even, right, in, in their respective sports. Yep. Um, when I rejoined the Packers beat full-time for the Journal Sentinel in 18, obviously end of the McCarthy era, and then the sort of the restart of, you know, the Rodgers renaissance, right? His first MVP year uh, back with Matt LaFleur and the team getting good again, obviously switching to Giannis in the finals year. Um, it's, you know, and, and I want to say this too. I also predate them a little bit. I was here when Giannis was drafted as a right. rookie his first couple of years and yep. covered home games, um, like sort of the height of the the Packers, not, not the Super Bowl year, but th those NFC title games, the Bostic stuff with Milwaukee.com. So I, I kind of have like a, a decade's worth of God. I forgot all about you and yeah. Milwaukee.com. That's where it all kind of started, where you kind of got on the scene. Yeah. All so about that. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Kind of an interesting like points of their careers yep. um, as people, as professionals. So, um, but definitely different. I mean, Aaron um, always, at, at least while I was on the beat, 
because this changed obviously since sure. the, the pandemic. But Aaron was always managed and um, calculating and careful. Um, he would give you good answers if you asked about football. Be very smart football type stuff. You, I, I felt. Um, and I had said this to him at times, like he made me a better interviewer. I felt I needed not just my question, but I had to anticipate an answer or anticipate him questioning the question um, and, and having to be ready to explain myself or further it or whatever it may be. Um, very thoughtful and insightful. And um, if he didn't like something, I wouldn't call him combative, but it would be challenging. Whereas you know, Giannis, uh, clearly everyone knows the story, but in the early stages, there was an English second language, um, not a barrier, but it was part of the process of, sure. of the interview, of the back and forth. Now, obviously, I, I, I mean, he's he handles the language far better than I, <laughs> um, you know, and, and he's, I, I believe he is just as intentional um, as Aaron Rodgers but he just goes about it in a very different way. You know, there, there's always that playfulness has remained um, wanting to be lighthearted, wanting to frame it in that overly positive um, kind of fun way. Even if he still has to make a serious point, um, it's, it's, I don't want to say he couches it or softens it, but it's in his manner. Like it's not sort of a, the headline, right. right. That Rogers might have. Um, so like interview styles are de definitely different Sparky, but in the, yeah, in terms of superstars, like there definitely was a, like Giannis and maybe part of it is he came at 18 and people like felt they grew up, have grown up with him. He learned how to drive here. Yeah. Whereas like Aaron now Aaron was drafted here and like to a degree, as he has said, he grew up in green Bay, Wisconsin essentially, but I don't know if people ever like wrap their arms around him. So. Like th there's that sort of unique element of it too, um, of covering a superstar. Cause I think the way people like our readers or your listeners or viewers view them is way different as well. Um, and I think it's all part of like their personalities to agree. And I don't know, Sparky, again, you mentioned we were there at the beginning. No one was really covering the bucks. No. It, sort of it grew into what it is. Yes. And so Giannis was able to grow sort of, um, naturally whereas look at Rodgers his whole career started with Brett Favre there and that 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 crucible so he never got the chance to to be the 21 year old who had growing pains oh he's the franchise we can kind of go up and down like so the, the starting points were way way different even if the end results of MVPs and championships or right. a championship um have been the same so definitely um, very interesting, fortunate to do it, but way, way different. It's interesting. And I don't want to make this comparison because there's nothing positive about this dude in the news, but kind of like Giannis to Brett, where when Brett got here, there were no expectations necessarily for this Packers franchise. They hadn't won in forever. Nobody was necessarily viewing him as a savior at that point, because back then there was no social media. There really wasn't a lot of sports, was really no sports talk in the area at all when they traded for Brett. Uh, so there was no outlash like, oh, my God, they gave up a first round pick for a third string quarterback. Like none of that existed. So there really wasn't any external pressure outside of maybe from Bob McGinn. But outside of that, nobody else was really all up in arms about what was going on. So he didn't really have. It. So he literally could grow up kind of 
uh, and become an adult versus how he was acting prior to that uh, and try and figure it out. Plus, you had Holmgren there uh, as that bigger-than-life personality to kind of guard him from that. You know, and I get a lot of heat whenever I say this, and I'm going to continue to say it to the day I die, and I don't care how many people are mad at me for it, but Jason Kidd was so instrumental and so big for Giannis and his development and how that whole thing played out, and not only from giving him the ball in his hands and going, here you go, let's see what you can do. I don't know if the kid really thought Giannis could do what he's done from, you know, bringing the ball up, initiating offense and doing that type of stuff. I think it was just a uh, uh, season's pretty much over. Let's just see what you got. Let's see what happens. I think that's really what it was. And it transformed into what it is, but more so from the attitude of I'm going to show this kid how mentally, how he has to be to be great, how he's got to approach the game. If he wants to be one of the best all time. And I don't, I don't think he gets that if it's somebody else uh, early on in his career, the opportunity to meet and work with Kevin Garnett to meet and become friends with Kobe Bryant and learn that mentality. I mean, if you think about the, the dog mentalities that kid introduced him to from different NBA greats um, kind of instilled to be what he is today and kind of his mentality of how he goes about the game. Yeah. And I think the fact that, you know, after game six, you know, up on the podium, he took that moment to sort of thank from Larry, you know, from John Hammond and Larry Drew to Jason Kitt all the way down. Yep. And, and you, you know, Giannis, I think, has always been very cognizant of um, what all of these people, be it coaches or staff or whomever, have meant to him in getting to where he is. Obviously, there's the, the, the gifts he's blessed with. There's the mentality that he grew up with in Greece that was like, those are things I think that have always been there. Um, but yeah, you needed a head coach to unlock that stuff or at least allow it to happen and to live with those growing pains and give you that sort of belief that you can do it. Um, and without a doubt, I mean, look, if, 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 you know, if Jason Kidd was a different kind of coach and wanted you know, Giannis at 6'11 to be more of a, a post-up type of guy. I mean, who knows, right? Like, it's maybe he's not even here after that, uh, sign that first extension. So, um, yeah, it's definitely an under – I don't want to say it's under – I don't think anything with Giannis is underrated or underreported anymore to a degree, Sparky, but, right. like, that that for sure – that people can feel a certain kind of way about that specific moment in Buck's history, um, but that definitely is a big – part of where Giannis is now and where he where he wants to go look he's the franchise leader in assists yep you know um you could argue maybe would have got there if he played long enough but I, I think that's a real thing the fact that he's been able to do all that with the ball in his hands and it sort of sets up this broader conversation Sparty of Giannis is like a perennial MVP candidate like right. in this day and age of of the game if he was just <laughs> just a 32 point per game scorer. Like, I don't know if the broader like basketball public, like how they would view that, but he has triple doubles. He flirts with triple doubles on a regular basis. He averages over five assists a game. So you're right. That that's a big part of like his story as a, as a professional. Yeah. And, and kid again, who got bashed in the layout because, Oh my God, he told Giannis not to shoot threes. Well, of course he shouldn't shoot threes. If he was going to dominate in the game, he was going to dominate around the rim and in transition and using his physical stature to bully people or whatever. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Giannis. So 
being reported, obviously, about uh, his hand injury. Um, and in that Sam, Sam Amick piece talking about, you know, his kid comes up and he didn't want to open the bottle and struggled to open the bottle. How bad is this hand? Because I, I don't think anybody in the general public really understood just how bad this hand injury really is. I mean, if he's going out of his way to high five people with the other hand and do that type of stuff, that, that's got to be pretty serious. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, so real quick for people, let, let's, let's kind of do a, a timeline here. Sure. Um, February 16th, he's in Chicago. That hand hits the stanchion, gets bent right. all kinds of funky ways, sprained wrist. There was real concern that there was a ligament damage or, or something in that wrist. That's why he was wrapped up at the All-Star game. Couldn't hide that. He wanted to participate. Struggled goes to get to the get, trophy up. Right. Goes to get tested. It's just, just the sprain. Giannis practices, plays, gets that right quad injury um, against Miami, sits out a couple of games with the with that. Now, plays. Now, I'm in Washington. Uh, I believe this was March 6th. Normal Giannis stuff. Three for five, attacking the rim, etc. He comes out. Now, I don't see anything obvious as it's happening. But when he checks out, he goes right to head athletic trainer Scott Foss. So, the game's going on, but I'm watching Giannis on the bench as they're looking at the hand. Scott Foss wraps it up, and that whole rest of the quarter, he's sort of fiddling with the tape, fiddling with it. Can tell he doesn't really want to wear it. Takes it off, enters the game, finishes the game. But if, if people go back and look at the, the sort of the shot chart, he went to the free throw line a bunch, Sparky, but he didn't shoot the ball. Like he didn't right. really. So I asked him after the game, you know, Giannis, what's up with the hand? And he just shook his head, no, that it, he didn't hurt it, no, that there's no pain. Now, that's Giannis. Like, Giannis could literally be standing in front of us right now with, you know, like a two-by-four through his shoulder. And, and he'd be like, Giannis, like, are you hurt? And he would say no. So that that's the interesting part of the of, of reporting and, and being in these locker rooms, Sparky. Like, I how do I say this? Like, I've seen guys with wraps with splints, with ice, with whatever on their bodies after games. Um, now, on one hand, you could say that's news, but I also understand what they just did to themselves. So I could tell Giannis was in some pain in Washington. It was pretty obvious. That's why I asked the questions. Um, but I'm also not going to, until games are missed, I, feel, I felt like and feel like, like I reported this. Go back, read the game stories, yesonline.com. You'll right. see it all in there. But I, it's one of those of like, what do you, how do you make it, right? What do you make it out to be? And finally, he misses games. And it's it's hand soreness. And obviously, we, we see what, what it is. And Mike Woonholzer said two things about that. One, some of it was just getting hit on that hand. I think the Washington game. And yes, some of it still stems from that pretty severe sprain in Chicago, Sparky. So I think that's why he sat out. Um, I do think he heals quicker than most humans. 
but yeah, he's gonna have ice. He's gonna ice it, just like they guys the guys ice knees and ice their backs, etc. I think it's worth paying attention to because it is a shooting hand. He is a dominant player, so just like Joel Embiid in last year's playoffs, right when he got hurt, he knew Miami was gonna hit that hand. Yep. So that's something that's gonna happen. That's he's that him and the Bucks are aware of. So I think it's worth again like knowing about uh but in terms of how serious serious enough for him to miss games and feel like he had to get healthy but not enough i think where he's sparky where you're like oh tonight against uh indiana miles turner hits him on the hand is he out for a week like i don't know if it's like that kind of serious if if any of that makes sense no that's it's fine it makes sense I, i i personally have stated that this team wins another championship if they can stay healthy so when I see how bad that hand is, I get concerned. Then the whole knee thing with Middleton uh, as well, coming off of that injury, with now where he's got right knee soreness uh, on the injury report with Middleton, he's now playing back-to-backs. Now, I'll clarify on previous Green and Growing podcasts, I've said I don't want him playing back-to-backs if that means he's healthy because I don't believe there are any back-to-backs in the playoffs, so this won't become an issue because you're never faced with this issue when you get to the playoffs. But the fact that we're still listing it and the fact that it's still something – still kind of worries me a little bit when we get to that point. Yeah, I mean, Sparky, I agree with you. They they do not – I think they're better positioned to, to to get to a finals without Chris Middleton than they were a year ago. Yes, deeper for sure. But I can't sit here and, and say they're going to win a championship unless that guy's playing. So – and I think they know that. Um, and this this whole process for him – was frustrating on a lot of levels. And yeah, you're right. There aren't back-to-backs, but once you get in the grind of the second, third round, you're every other day in like a travel. So like there still is an element of play 35 minutes of it, like high leverage, intense basketball, get on a plane, rest a little bit and get ready to go again. So I think that's where they're at now. Um, The Golden State game, great example, 33 minutes season high. He plays in overtime. Um, off day travel Sacramento plays 33 the same amount of minutes, but the entire fourth quarter, Sparky. And what did he do? Scored 13 points, yep, and closed it out. Looked like, like Middleton, that looked like Chris Middleton, yeah. Um, so on one hand, I, I totally agree with you to this point. It's been an interesting uh observation to watch them do this, but as we record this, it's hard to say. They didn't do it right here the second time because clearly something happened when they tried to bring him back. Look, when he came back from the wrist, you remember that it was that national TV game against Los Angeles Lakers, five to four. He played 30 minutes. Yep. And he looked great. But like clearly from like zero to 60 didn't work for him back then. So I think they all just agreed, hey, it's not about March or April. It's about May and June. So how do we get there? And at least for now, Sparky, it feels like they're trending in the right direction. He has played he played four straight games uh, of average 32 minutes a game before he sat out that back-to-back. So, again, coming up, there's more back-to-backs on the schedule, Spark, but if he can play three in a row, four in a row, take off the back-to-back, like that's, that's a good thing for Chris Middleton in the box. Okay, so – I talk about championships, winning championships. You agree. Pretty probably need Middleton in order to win a championship. Fine. Let's take it another step further with Middleton. 
how important is it for him to be healthy through the playoffs for his contract situation coming up this summer? Because you could say whatever you want, but it's got to be in the dude's head. I mean, be in my head. I mean, we're talking about a lot of money here. If he's going to opt out and try and go get a new deal, maybe from the Bucks. I'm guessing that would be from the Bucks. And, you know, we're talking a lot of money, 40 million, 50 million, whatever it ends up being a year. You've got to prove that you're healthy, I think, through the playoffs in order to justify getting this. Otherwise, somebody's going to say, how do I know your knee's still not jacked up? We have no idea. I mean, look at the Bakhtiari injury. That took forever to get right. Uh, so for Middleton, uh, I, I think it's just as important for him personally for his contract situation to be healthy and get through the playoffs and not miss games. Uh, you know, a thousand percent. I mean, he knows where he's at. Yeah. Contract wise. Um, I sat with him in Charleston over the summer, Sparky. And yeah, I mean, he knows. I mean, there, there's no deadline on the option. You know, that's in June. You know, Plenty after the season, after the draft. So he was like, and, and you know, he, he laughed. He said, you know, like if the Bucks want to give me everything I want, then I'll I'll sign right now. Um, but obviously the Bucks kind of made a financial basketball decision as well. This year we're like, hey, let, let's see where this goes and, and whatever. And look, he's the biggest domino to fall contractually because you're right, Sparky. Like it could be, I mean, I know every, we, we always frame stuff as the max dollars. Like Chris Middleton's not getting two hundred fifty million dollars from the Bucks. Like he's not going to get the max. Like he's not that kind of player. But he could get forty five million a year, right? Like it's so, still a lot so, of damn money though. It's Jim. still a lot of money. So, and of course, that then pushes the Bucks into like repeater tax stuff and much much broader like financial implications. But to your point, yeah, like I, I think coming back, like if he would have came back after the wrist and just had played 60 games of Chris Middleton basketball. Like, are we even talking about this conversation? Nope. Like we're like, Not of at course. All. but that wasn't the case. He's, he's 31 years old. It's this right knee. It is the knee that he came out of college with that really Sparky, if you think about it, hasn't, I mean, you've heard this for years on your shows at social media. Like he's not injury prone. He's not like the knee hasn't been a thing for a decade. Right. But in the in the, the that this this construct of what do you do with him for the next four years? So as he's getting into his mid thirties and all of those miles and minutes, okay, that's a real thing now. Um, and yeah, I, without a doubt, like it's an important stretch. Look, thirteen games left as we record this. Let's say he plays ten of them, thirty-one minutes a game. He's shooting 45, 45, 90, like Chris Take Styles it. type stuff. Not you know forty percent from three. Um, 20 points a game. He wins like conference finals MVP, you know, like he would have won against Atlanta if they right. had that award. Um, sure, he's opting out and people are gonna be knocking down his door. So I, I think, but I don't think it's like top of mind as in I need to do these things to get that money. Like I think he's done this dance enough, Sparky, to know if he just does what he does and the Bucks do what we all think they can do he's getting paid but this Everyone's is the thing paid. though right but yeah. there's, there's, there's just an it's gonna be right but there's an elephant in the room here um it, we talk about leverage in this aaron Rodgers jet saga and everything else dude he's got a ton of leverage it's called Giannis. like Giannis <laughs> just continues to say like i can't imagine playing without him like that's my guy i gotta play with them what are they gonna do they're gonna go to Giannis and go Sorry, man. It's just not going to work, man. We're going to have to let him go play in Miami or something. Are you kidding? Are you, and then go to Giannis and go, but we still want you to stay for another five to seven years. So don't please don't leave us. 
I mean, to me, he's got all the leverage that he needs. It's just Giannis just points Giannis to go, all right, man, got to go. Sorry, Giannis. See you later. I mean, that's pretty much to me opening the door to possibly losing Giannis next if you let Middleton walk away, regardless of how much money you either have to pay him or overpay him to keep him with Giannis. I mean, that that is a broader part. And look, and I, I realize, you know, Bucks fans might get a little itchy about this, but it is. I'll just let everyone know, like this topic is going to come up this summer. Giannis oh, yeah. has two years left on his deal, um, which means really just one year. If you think about like how this all goes in the NBA. Um, and yeah, like Giannis, if anything we know about the guy is he wants the ability to win a championship. I don't think at least to this point in his career, he has not gone the sort of mercenary route of, hopping from wherever, wherever, maybe his mind will change in, in a year or two years. I don't know, but you're right, Sparky, for the Bucks to still be in that conversation of, can you win a championship here? Chris Middleton is a big part of that. Now I will say if John Horst were to present some sort of option where certain players are signed and trade or traded that you would think, wow, on the surface that, that would upset the superstar but like certain people are coming back. I mean, Giannis is also old enough now to know the game. You know what I mean? So I don't want to just, I don't want to make it a blanket. You got to run it back with everybody for the next five years and hope, you know, Giannis sits, you know, extends again. But I do think there is to your point though, that element of Chris is hard to replace like 20 point per game, all stars, which he probably should have made one other one at least, gold medalists, who you know you can give him the ball with 16 seconds left, eight seconds left on the clock. Yes. And he's going to, A, get a shot off. Yep. And you can feel real good. Like, that. that's (laughs) – there aren't that many of those guys. Um, And not to mention just, like, their overall two-man game symmetry. Um, You're right, Sparky. It is – that's a great leverage point. Um, if you're the Bucks and, and and Chris Mill. Now, Chris, I don't think Chris is gonna say that. Like he's his own person in terms of like him getting his deal. But if you're John Horst and you're going to now uh a partial new owner and and Wes Edens, the other guys, you're like that that's part of that conversation for sure. Well, I'm not talking about Jimmy Haslam. I refuse. You're just gonna get me mad. Uh let's move on. Uh some uh questions from uh Twitter. I said you were coming on. Uh, Gene asks, uh, when are we expected to see Goran Dragic? Yeah, good question. I thought we might have seen him already, the way it was trending. Um, you know, and Mike Boonholzer kind of said he was available on this road trip, and then he, he was ruled out in Phoenix. So he's been working. He's been getting, like, extra work in with coaches, individual sessions early in the mornings on some of these games. Right. And so he's been, t- like, technically available, but I think – Look, he missed his last four games in Chicago with this left knee. Um, he's had this left knee issue, if you will, for years now. Um, so it, I think, honestly, Sparky, like Chicago probably leaned on him a little too much. Um, so they're – look, again, they need him for the playoffs. To Gene's question, I think it's going to be soon, but it's that buck soon of soreness. Um, they don't really need him. Yet he's gonna have to play a little bit so he can figure out what guys like where to go. I think it's soon. Uh, we'll get an update tonight as we record this. I would imagine it's got to be in the next few days. 
And if it's not, then we're talking about, okay, really what's going on with that knee? And is there a bigger issue there? I don't see, I don't, I don't see how he gets into the playoff rotation unless somebody gets hurt. Like whose legitimate minutes is that dude going to take at this point? That that's my thing. Okay. That's, we can have a whole other show on this because I'm sure there's <laughs> Jay Crowder questions in there and like, where's Jay Crowder at the end? Of the, that is that's yeah. I have, that's the next question from Greg. How big of a role do you see Jay playing in the playoffs? You're right. Okay. That was the next question. I think they go together in that. I understand there's still this sort of like Mike Budenholzer angst from his first four years with covering the team. I, but you got to go back to coaching. You got to go back to the championship season. And what happened with the role players? Bryn Forbes, oh. real quick here. Bryn Forbes outscores Jimmy Butler in the first round. It's crazy. Yeah. Guess who we never heard from again? After no, that. You're right. Bryn and Forbes. that's fine. Bobby Portis essentially benched during the totally Nets series. Yeah. And then he comes in and finishes, you know, has, has a uh, participates and has a great end to the finals. PJ Tucker. Did anyone talk about PJ Tucker until game three through seven against Brooklyn? And then did we really talk about PJ a ton after that? Not really. I mean, he played, he was starting, obviously. Um, obviously I, I think if Giannis doesn't get hurt, we don't really see Jeff Teague against the Hawks, but we did. And he picked up, he also picked up 94 feet at times in the finals against Chris Paul. My point there is I don't know if like rotation is going to be done the same way that, that people think Gorn is or Jay is like, I, I think it is going to be matchup based. I think the rotation is your starting five, which may include Grayson Allen, but if it's the Celtics, it might be Wes again. And then Grayson plays 10 minutes because that's where Jay plays more. But if you're playing um, Atlanta, like Jay Crowder's not guarding DeJounte Murray Correct. or Trey Young, right? Like, so, right. and maybe that's where we see Gore. Um, so that's, I, I, that's where I think some of this goes is, is I, I know like Jay Crowder was like the nine month gestation of a trade, but I don't think it's, it's going to be that cut and dry come the playoff time in terms of like outside of Joe Ingles, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, um, those guys, I think they're going to be fit in in certain spots, uh, depending on matchup. He is Jim Ozarski of the Milwaukee Journal Central Bucks beat writer. Follow him at Jim Ozarski. And you guys did a great series on Giannis that people can go back and check out at jsonline.com. Tell everybody about it. Yeah. So look, this is his 10th season. The Milwaukee Spark is unbelievable to think about, right? 10, a decade. And so real quickly, we went back at how Milwaukee was the right place, right time for him. First time ever, uh, Senator Herb Cole went on the record about that process of getting uh, Giannis's family to Milwaukee. Uh, former Secretary of State John Kerry, for the first time, commented on that process as well. Uh, really went digging in the crates, as they say. Went nice. back and talked to a lot of people who helped shape that for Giannis. And, of course, he, he was uh, as open as he usually is. Um, Lori Nickel expounded on sort of the Giannis effect of the globalization of the Bucks. Deer District, et cetera, Ben Steele. At, we talked to the commissioner about can can there be that guy again of this sort of six, seven teenager from whatever division in Greece drafted 15th? Like, can that happen again? You know, or teams like afraid of that. So, um, and then also finally, this came up actually Sparky in Phoenix. 
Monty Williams and Devin Booker complaining that Giannis shot more free throws than the Suns as a team and like how, how his body has changed. And he's the most physical force in the NBA since Shaq. And so I talked to him about that, but also former NBA officials about how to referee him or in the, in the struggles there and uh, really interesting stuff. Giannis wonders like what his game would be like if he was still six, seven. Um, so yeah, really jsonline.com, definitely check it out. Um, and, and it's worth, if you're a Bucks fan and you're into Milwaukee and like what he has meant and how he's grown in a decade, uh, really interesting stuff. It's so good. Check it out. Jim Ozarski. Follow him online or on Twitter. I should say at Jim Ozarski. Jim, thanks so much for coming on Green and Growing, man. We've been trying to get this done and I loved every single minute of it and I appreciate it so much. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, buddy.